0: Call it. Call it, yes. Just call it. Welcome to episode seventy-four of Colored Friend or the podcast where usually two friends watch two films decided by the flip of a coin. This week myself, Andy Deer Richie and my co-host Donica Tiernan watched three films from American director Sean Baker. 2015's Tangerine, 2017's The Florida Project, and 2021's Red Rocket. As always, the podcast contains spoilers for the films right from the start. Check out JustWatch.com for streaming and rental options in your region. You can find us on Instagram at Call of Friend or Podcast. Drop us a line there if any feedback or recommendations
1: oh, no. please. <laughs> Sick. We're live. We're talking about Sean Baker.
0: We are. We're talking about Sean Baker today. And I'll be honest, I didn't know anything about Sean Baker before this week. And now I feel like I know quite a lot about Sean Baker.
1: That's awesome, man. I you, I I only saw the that a Pornhub podcast exists by looking up his name on Spotify. And before I listen to every other episode of that, I might listen to the Sean Baker one.
0: <laughs> yeah, I, I was going to go in and listen to some more episodes of that Pornhub podcast, but I haven't got around to that yet. I did listen to the, the Sean Baker one. Fascinating. Uh, being interviewed by Asa
1: Akira, who's in Starlet, uh, Sean Baker's fourth film. Ah, now, you see, to me, Sean Baker just seemed to appear with Tangerine. So it was only with a recent Wikipedia article that I actually learned he made films before that. But yeah, I before we even get into this, I would having watched now the last three, the three that for which he's most famous for, I would say yeah. I am excited for anything he does on a fucking Lin Ramsey level almost. I just, particularly the Florida Project, obviously we'll get to them all individually and we'll probably rank them, but I just think I'm just interested in whatever this guy's got to do. Fucking brilliant, right? Yeah, and
0: I would also say, I've, now that I've seen four of his films and didn't watch anything else, over the course of about 2 days with nothing else breaking it up. Okay, nice. So, my mind is 100% slice of life cinema, verite, neo-realistic, you know, like I I'm 100% on a like almost lack of plot, lack of three-act structure type thing and mm. yeah, I I I would watch anything that he makes. I'm going to go back and and fill in those gaps probably at some point the the three earlier films. Yeah. But I would say, based on what I've read and what I've seen, it looks like Starlet is where it's sort of fully formed films start to take shape, and then there's a bit of a jump between starlet and tangerine and yeah wow there there's so much to cover we got a lot to we got a lot to cover,
1: yeah, here. but I mean, first of all, okay, so I'll because I haven't really done the research so much. Tell me about Sean Baker. what's his deal yeah, so
0: sean baker he's uh, I believe he's around fifty one 50 years old. Looks he, great for his age, doesn't he? He does. He he, he does. He certainly Genuinely is, does. A, Look a, up Sean Baker's A fine, with the a fine looking yeah. young man. Looks yeah, great. He's, uh, uh, he's from New Jersey, uh, born and raised. He studied at NYU, uh, the Tisch School of the Performing Arts. Uh, some of his classmates included uh, Todd Phillips. Todd and, Phillips. Uh, Todd Phillips. Mark Foster.
1: Uh, Mark Foster is uh, the director of GoldenEye, of course. Quantum of Solace. Quantum of Solace. Right. Okay. But hold on. Todd Phillips.
0: Todd Phillips. A little film called Joker, apart from a few others.
1: Oh, yeah. The Hangover guy. And also, he Indeed. did the, he, before The Hangover, he did that uh, documentary about that horrible creep. Oh, yeah. Uh, Gigi Allen. About Gigi Allen.
0: Yeah, that's right. Yeah. The man who likes to eat shit on stage. Oh, anything, Literally, anything you can imagine. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I still haven't he's watched basically that like the, yet. the
1: Peter Jackson of depravity. Just you imagine it, and G. G. Allen will achieve it for you. Although he's dead now. So,
0: but yeah. So then, after graduating from NYU, Sean Baker was working in some kind of publishing house, and he, at the same time, wrote a script and got his first film made, which was called Four Letter Words. And it was filmed in 1996, but it came out in 2000.
1: Wow, that's quite um, a gap. Did he direct
0: it? Yeah, it took him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It took him ages to like finally get around to cutting it, and he had to like kind of redo certain elements of it. It's very hard to get a hold of that film. I heard him in a couple of interviews saying that that's going to be re-released later this year. Sounds yeah. Like so the then he he got a second film. Which is called Takeout, and it was it came from when he was living in New York. It follows an an undocumented Chinese immigrant who's basically like a Chinese works for a Chinese restaurant, uh, taking people their food orders. But yeah, he made that for three thousand dollars, and then after that, he went on to make a film called Prince of Broadway. In 2008, which follows an undocumented uh, African working around Broadway selling kind of like fake or, you know, selling yeah. CDs
1: and DVDs. We get it, and, Sean and Baker. You care about the disenfranchised, all right? Well, yeah, there's
0: certainly a very strong theme running through all of his work. But that film was it cost about $50,000, but it was self-financed mm. because he created a TV show called Greg the Bunny. I've heard of that. Is that a stop motion yeah. thing? No, I, th- I think it's like live action with puppets or with a puppet interacting with humans. Um, Pays the bills. So, yeah, it was paying the bills. He used that money to make Prince of Broadway. So then after Prince of Broadway, he went on to make Starlet. And uh, I just finished watching that today. That stars Dree Hemingway, who's the daughter of Marielle Hemingway.
1: Who in turn is the granddaughter of old Ernest, right? Yeah.
0: That's right. So, Marilyn Hemingway is best known for Woody Allen's Manhattan.
1: Hmm. Yeah, yeah. She's the 16-year-old, right?
0: Yeah, she's, she's... yeah. And so, her daughter, Dree, is probably best known as a model. And in the film Starlet, she's like a young adult movie star who makes friends with a woman in her 80s. It's
1: weird old 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 George Hemingway would be a perfect uh, subject matter for um, for Sean Baker. Who's that? Who's George Hemingway? Oh, I'm dead naming somebody. Hold on. I uh, maybe Jeannie Hemingway or something. Uh, Ernest Hemingway's Gosh. transgender kid.
0: Oh, I, I don't know anything about the Hemingway family at all. R-
1: interesting um, interesting life story for real. I'll need to check that. Oh, you should yeah, read yeah, some of the that letters that. he sent to the, he, he sent to his dad. It was like doesn't matter if you're Ernest Hemingway. I can't imagine reading a letter, receiving a letter like this, just just vitriolic. But at the same time, he he seemed to love and admire his dad. It was strange, yeah. But he was a a transgender dude.
0: <laughs> I don't know anything about that. But that is going to that is going to play a part in the first film that we talk about. So after Starlet, did you enjoy Starlet? starlet is excellent i would definitely recommend checking it out it's very similar it's another slice of life film except it's about this young lady working in the as i said in the adult film industry mm. but the focus is very much about how it's just the kind of mundane aspects of her life not so much on the porn part yeah james ransome is in it as well as well as being in tangerine he plays a suitcase pimp which will come back around to when we talk about yes. red rocket because that's the
1: very integral part there
0: yeah it, I, I i found it really really moving it, there's a real punch right at the end
1: i'm yeah. gonna definitely check that out because yeah i so i would I, i've yeah, I would
0: certainly s- recommend
1: watching. three of the four uh, same movies that you've watched this week and i just mm-hmm. like i said at the start of this podcast i just love this guy man i just think yeah, like
0: he's very very talented
1: visually exciting like gets outstanding performances out of non-actors and in a way well he, he
0: likes to call them first-time actors first-time
1: actors there you go fair enough and in a like in a similar fashion to somebody like andrea arnold in uh, american honey but much more refined even though i love that film i mean it's just despite the fact that they're being their their slice of life films eventually sort of in each of them emotional arcs form and you learn so much about the 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 characters from just the, their little unbelievably well-acted scenes yeah i'm a huge fan
0: there's there's so much character depth and in the 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 three films that we're really going to be looking at today there's certain plot points that in other films would be played they would be the real focus they would they would kind of bring out drama. Yeah. You would have the score would be telling you what to think or feel.
1: Yeah, it reminded me exactly of The Wire
0: in so in some ways. You just you're left to kind of form your
1: own reaction to. And they're much so there, there are moments that are much more potent for not being dictated to you. I would say definitely. Like, th- there across are all the films. some mic drop emotional moments across the three mm-hmm. films, like that, it just like basically that get you five seconds after the fact. It just the you know, as the pieces go together for you, and wow, yeah, yeah, absolutely amazing stuff.
0: Starlet's ending is probably a little more traditional than the other ones. Well, actually, Tangerine's ending. I get. I mean, I f- I found that extremely satisfying. Mm. Florida Project and Red Rocket. We'll, we'll we'll talk about endings there, but there's a lot more for the audience to kind of interpret and read into yeah. how they want to. So I guess we can start off by talking about Sean Baker's fourth film, 2015's Tangerine, which was produced by Mark and Jay Duplass. When did you so what was your experience with this film the first time?
1: How did you see it? I saw it on Netflix, um maybe the year of its release or if not the next year. I would have been it would have been when I first came over to Barcelona. I saw it. I remember I heard somebody speaking about it on a podcast and um, at that point I was only work, uh, working in the evenings, so I was just there flicking through Netflix, put it on and I mean of course was just blown away because it's one of those ones that I mean I don't know, Pro- right, if you're not immediately just grabbed by this film, it's possible, I don't know, it's possible films a- a- aren't so much your thing, I would say. It's very, it just grabs you, It's 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 yeah. it's got kinetic sort of energy, the soundtrack is constantly interrupting with weird fucking trap music that'll jar you, and it's really, really funny, it, yeah. it's very matter of fact with the fact that these are transgender sex workers and pimps, And a taxi driver cheating on his family, etc. But like, okay, so I remember loving it like a lot. I remember just being blown away, just catatonically entertained in an afternoon before work, and telling people about it for weeks afterwards that they had to see it. Watching it this time around, sure, I was expecting all of that, but I haven't seen it in the few years, so I was, of course, catatonically entertained again. But then one thing that I really came to know is that by hook or by crook, every one of these characters is kind of given nice sort of human depth. And the iPhone thing, I mean, you can tell it's shot on iPhones uh, at parts, but th- at the same time, then there's so much energy and such really nice cutting. And actually, some of the camera movements that they use are really suited to just marching up and down boulevards angrily. You know what I mean? It's, it's good for mm. that. But I found that even the fucking pimp kind of has the, a weird sort of a human moment. You know? And then... The achievement of those sort of real emotional moments—I mean, I, I doubt this was his reason for including them. He's just a talented filmmaker, but it, it would take away anybody's ability to accuse the film of gimmickry. Like, the, like it's the the iPhone filmmaking works for the story. It probably made it ch- it cheaper, probably like rather than to prove a point. But I found that everybody in the film just kind of they did have a moment, you know. Where yeah. they felt like the, the taxi driver dude cheating on his family, even his wife for understanding. There's everybody has it's, a sort of a moment that grounds them. I think, and makes I, think, them feel I, think real. I think you can see that you can
0: say that across all of his films, there are characters react in ways that feel more human. In some ways, it's a lot more nuanced than what you normally get from like a, a kind of typical form of drama where characters kind of respond by flying off the handle. You know that thing that that trope in films where someone you know says something, someone kind of says something to someone, and then they go, you know, they're not even really listening, and they just take the first part of it and get and get angry and storm off, and the person's going, no, no, wait, that isn't what I, you know, that kind of misunderstanding thing. It's the exact opposite of that.
1: Yeah, arguments are people back and forth exchanges, and they're messy. (laughs) Yeah, 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 yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. I and I like that, and but. But people live with things. They kind of accept it, and they roll with it, and they respond.
1: There's a fantastic scene where, um, yeah, Alexandra is, uh, yeah, she's got a client, and then, you know, it's not working for him, and he tries to get out of paying, and they have an argument on the street that's just fucking, I just thought it was dynamite, that little scene with the cops interacting with the guy and everything. That was, that just felt real, you know what I mean?
0: Was that Alexandra, or was that Cindy? I can't remember now. It
1: was Alexandra. She gets into a fight and then the police come along and settle it and then she gets Oh get, yeah, yeah, yeah right. She gets yeah, yeah. picked up by um the taxi driver. I forget his name. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, Carol. Razmik. Is it Razmik? Uh,
0: rasmic Razmik is the taxi driver the the, the the main taxi driver okay. that we follow.
1: Oh, Carol's the other fellow who um
0: Caro's the other yeah. taxi driver who picks up Razmik's mother in law.
1: Yeah. Okay, so so just to get back to the old uh, the Places, basically, this was what Sean Baker's, uh, this was his pitch. I want to make a movie about the people on West Hollywood and um, Sunset.
0: Yeah, it's it was, it was the intersection of Santa Monica Boulevard and Highland Avenue. Check that out if you come across a time machine.
1: There you are now. Oh, yeah. I'm just after remembering. These are shot with, uh, yeah, iPhone 5s, but also with an, a, a lens on it called... Um, moon lens, I think they they were called they're they're actually quite big now, and there's a lot of knockoffs, but they were quite a they were made quite a splash at the time because they were able to give um anamorphic quality to the iphone right. lens i think iphone eight yeah,
0: and there was also some other software It was called like filmic or something they were using, but at the time this was the iphone the, the one of the key points according to Sean Baker was. It wasn't there. It was the iPhone five. It was the iPhone five S that supposedly the S version had this higher HD video that was fine. There people were finally able to use. And he said part of it stemmed from the kind of the Scandinavian movement, all the Lars von Trier Dogma ninety five mm. type thing of people going like, "Well, we can just." We can submit something that, you know, it can, it can, <laughs> it doesn't have to look great and it will still get into, uh, festivals. You yeah. Know, critics will review it. It will be accepted by audiences. And, uh, but I think that gimmick, I heard about the gimmick first and that put me off watching Tangerine because I heard like, oh, it's filmed on iPhones. I felt that it was some kind of gimmick. I felt like that would you know, that'd be Mm. like, Oh, we wanted to see if we could make a film on iPhones. But listening to Sean Baker talk about it was was like a kind of money saving thing, but also it meant they could walk around LA, they could film anywhere. Yeah. And I'd imagine yeah they would run after people and get people to sign off on the footage. But like it just opened up so many options for them. So and it, it works well. It makes sense. Yeah, yeah, and like, the film does look good. It's totally like. fine. Yeah, it does. It's like all tangerine skies.
1: And I think as well, like the um, I mentioned before, like the the music choices they use that because the thing is, okay, so when you're not working with you know when you're not working with massive rigs and you can't kind of shoot to edit in in a certain way, let's say uh, editing. Can be jarring. I edited a video recently myself, and this, you know when it's all handheld, fucking iPhone stuff, it can be a little jarring. And I think that, like that, the, uh, the mu- that's where the music comes in a lot of the time because they'll just hit you with a music cue that'll just make you go, "Whoa, Jesus, what's this?" And you know, I, during that time, cut to something completely different.
0: I found this film to be, like you said, it was funny, interesting, just showing these people in this this world that i'd never really seen before sure and the other thing was the build up to that final meeting where all the characters come together yeah. at the donut shop is i just had a smile on my face the entire time i was laughing so much yeah yeah. just yeah. It, it, it just little little back and forth phrases
1: yeah uh, I, I've, I've
0: everything that goes it's, it's kind of far it's like farcical
1: do you know, um, funny. I found it quite funny, uh, Maybe, perhaps I shouldn't have, but I uh, what a fucking hard time Dinah has in the film. <laughs> just gets... as yeah, she just gets dragged around. Beaten up and dragged around by Cindy, and then Chester will barely look at her, you know? Oh, it's rough.
0: So we're not really going to go through... The cast per se. Do you have anything you wanted to say about them? It's good to see James Ransone. Obviously, it's good but to see Ziggy. I thought that, yeah, yeah. And do, do you know what his character is called in The Wire? You know his full name? No, I do not. Chester. Chester is Ziggy Sabotka. Yeah. So another playing another character called Chester.
1: I mean, maybe this is maybe this is Ch- Chester. Chesterverse. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Maybe this is takes place in the same, same universe as The Wire. Same guy. Yeah. After he got guy of jail. Oh, maybe the one of their customers eventually will be that police sergeant guy. I
0: hope so. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean everyone is excellent. Uh, the two stars who play Cindy and Alexandra are Kitana Kiki Rodriguez and uh, Maya Taylor. They're very they're they're back and forth because you've got the the so maybe we should focus on the on the plot a little bit. A little bit, yeah. So you, the film opens with those two having a conversation, sitting in a cafe, and it's revealed that Cindy. Uh, has just got out of jail. She's been away for a month, and her boyfriend slash pimp has uh, supposedly cheated on her with a fish, a cisgender lady. And uh, why do you? Why do you think they call him fish?
1: <laughs>
0: I absolutely. Yeah, I was. I, could, I couldn't. I couldn't begin to find a
1: link. Yeah, yeah. Between. I was fish scratching my head over, over that as, as well. I had to Google what that was. Mm-hmm. Anyway. Well,
0: I'm sure Googling fish will have brought up many interesting No, results.
1: it didn't answer my question at all. <laughs>
0: <laughs> but yeah, so that sets off the, sets the whole plot into motion where Cindy decides that she's going to fucking trash the entirety of Los Angeles to find this lady and beat the shit out of her, yeah. which is the plan. And then we're also introduced, apart from uh, these two characters of Cindy and Alexander, we're also introduced to Razmik, who's uh, a cab driver. He's driving around the city. We see him pick up a few clients. Do you remember? There's a, there's a few. I remember the first one is where he picks up this woman who's got like a dog carrier. And he's, he's making all these comments about like, oh, that's great. You've got a dog. He's so well behaved. And then he asks, about, he asks some a question about the dog. And she's like, the carrier's empty. Oh, yeah. <laughs> she looks, she's obviously just been to like have it put down. <laughs> she's so sad.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was good. That was pretty funny,
0: and then there's the guys who've been out drinking all day because it's Christmas in mm. in LA. And yeah, yeah, that's you know, right. It's a sunny day. It's Christmas Eve, and there's a, there's a guys who spew in his in his taxi. That's a, quite a funny little moment, but also disgusting.
1: Yes, gross.
0: And uh, at a certain point, we see Rasm- we see that Razmik Rasm- picks up a prostitute.
1: Yeah. Uh, oh Remember yeah, that? yeah. He picks up a prostitute who it ter- it transpires is actually a fish, and he gets really annoyed because she doesn't have a yeah. penis.
0: Because she, she's she's new to the game.
1: Yeah, yeah. And
0: she's walking in the wrong block. And uh, and Ramsey has to tell her, you don't want to walk in that
1: street. This street is for ladies with penises.
0: Because Ra- we know that Razmik has like a wife and kid, but he also likes to pick up transgender prostitutes and uh, fillet
1: them. And blow them, yeah. That's his thing. Yeah,
0: which is fair enough.
1: Yeah, yeah, that's what I said.
0: But I, I, if I was paying money, I wouldn't want to be doing work, but whatever floats your boat. That's all I'll say. That's all I'll say on that. <laughs> I just think it's I think it's madness. It's madness to, to pay to work. Yeah? Shouldn't be doing that. But yeah, whatever works for you. So there's a do you remember any of the other scenes? I mean we follow kind of the Cindy and Alexandra causing Well, Alexandra havoc has a show coming up save.
1: that she wants she wants people to right. come to. And uh, Cindy just wants to find the fish that Chester has been cheating um on her with so. Uh, eventually, she gets to the nastiest looking motel room in the world with a bunch of yeah, old guys in there a, with their dicks, a,
0: a bit of a crack den,
1: um, and just some old men with their penises out. It's nasty, and she finds yeah. There's a big fat bottom bitch who answers the door, or maybe she's the pimp who knows. No, Chester's the pimp sure. And then anyway, Cindy. T- yeah, you're right. She's just the she's just the uh, the rather she's bomb bitch. And then she. Uh, finds this lady, Dinah, who does look like a crack whore.
0: Dinah's played by Mickey O'Hagan. She is also in Starlet.
1: Okay. she look better in that? Is this just makeup?
0: She has a very distinctive face.
1: Mm. Okay, fair enough. Anyway, she grabs, uh, Cindy grabs Dinah, and then they go to Alexandra's show, make up Alexandra uh, so she can do her singing, and then they smoke meth together. <laughs> Which I thought was a nice touch, actually. To be honest, seems like they bonded over meth.
0: That's. I thought that was. <laughs> I thought that was. That's one of those nice aspects where Cindy has taken Dinah on the bus across town, and she's like, "We're gonna go see Chester," but then they stop off at, at, at Alexandra's concert. Alexandra singing in a bar, and then they have this moment where they smoke. They smoke crack together, or smoke meth, or whatever. But it it's that kind of humanizing that you kind of want yeah, to see yeah, yeah. that. Okay, you don't want to see them maybe smoking meth, but like you want to see them sort of overcome whatever bullshit it was that, you yeah. know, they're, they're both after this same pimp. No, I agree. Seems like an absolute piece of shit. So you're like, oh, I'd rather these two these two other characters made friends.
1: This was exactly one of the moments I was referring to, for sure. It was It's oddly nice. And then uh, Alexandra's performance is, I don't know, oddly nice as well. She pay, paid to perform and, uh, you know, dynamics, I d- fun I d- of her.
0: I, I don't think any of these films are particularly judgy about the characters. It's just presenting characters. Mm. And listening to Sean Baker talk, he said that he, I mean, we'll get more to that when we talk about Red Rocket, but like presenting anti-heroes, flawed characters in a way that you used to get a bit more in the past you know he talked about films like back in the 70s but audiences are maybe a little more sensitive nowadays but it's fine you have these flawed characters they're living a life yeah and they're surviving and it's not most of this is not really a comment i found this film in particular was really respectful and kind of celebrated how they were living yeah, or, or celebrated that they were living and existing, and that this is a thing. Yeah, and I thought that came across quite well. I th- like, especially when we get to the ending of of this film, which I, I quite liked actually. But
1: next up, we got we're back with Rasmic, who's just losing his mind <laughs> because he has to have a <laughs> Christmas dinner with um, a, his armenian family and his mother-in-law and stuff and he is just jonesing to go and uh, yeah, he wants j- to get his, his
0: other christmas
1: dinner yeah exactly because he's mad he's got a big crush on cindy and he wants to go he and soccer her penis looking for meat
0: and meat and two veg exactly so he's on the the prowl for
1: so he, f- but
0: he but yeah so it but he he finds alexandra
1: yeah what what
0: does he who does he blow in the
1: uh oh but that's earlier in the film that's during the day. oh right yeah, yeah. He, when he finds yeah yes. but we've she we has have,
0: yeah we've, we've we've glossed over that
1: yeah so she has told him about uh, her show which is where he goes right. to show up to try and track down cindy yeah um, he
0: leaves like a big christmas meal with his in-law is his mother-in-law and friends and his wife and child yeah And he's like i need to go out to work because he's a hard-working immigrant But in reality, he is he's looking for a transgender prostitute's penis to suck.
1: (laughs) I mean, frankly put, uh, yeah, yeah, this is it. So then but then his mother in law chases him out and gets another cab driver to help him uh, to help track him down. Uh, And the other taxi driver seems to know what's up. I think he's being a bit of a rat. Not cool, man. Anyway. Cindy, Alexandra, and Dinah all descend on a donut shop where um, they yeah con-
0: donut time.
1: They con they confront uh, Chester, and uh, Chester like is you know I mean he's being like a good pimp. He has all the ladies under control in no time at all. Fair play to him, but then all of a sudden uh, Rasmek arrives in wanting to solicit Didi, Didi, Cindy, and then he- Razmik is followed in by his mother-in-law, and a big old scene happens. Um, First of all, she thinks I think she thinks he's smoking weed and then then uh, Chester trying to get him off the hook says no no he doesn't smoke weed he just has sex with these transgender prostitutes. So then yeah, she call and then his wife arrives and the, yeah, she has the daughter. Yeah, yeah, it's just crazy. But then the wife while well, she she basically tells the mother-in-law to mind her own business and they go back to the apartment. Then, in a really sad moment, I found Dinah goes back to the horrible crack den, but they won't allow her in. No room at the yeah, crack den. Kind
0: of, she's basically homeless. They tell her to chill for 24 hours or something.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's rough. She's homeless for Christmas. It's uh, That was... that. I found that really sad. That's how humane everything is in this. You're just like, oh, that's just... Yeah, fuck. And then, but then, the, the real uh, coup de grace, I think the French sometimes say is yeah outside the uh, back outside the shop Chester reveals that he also slept with Alexandra um, yeah. and Alexandra was the person who originally told Cindy that Chester was cheating on her so then mm-hmm. um she's you know they're really upset and she's walking away and it's, it's it is it's really sad she's been betrayed by her friend so and
0: also the, throughout the film we've seen Cindy respond with violence and and anger but when she finds out that her best friend has yeah has had sex with 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 her boyfriend. She just she just sort of slumps and just walks away. It's like oh, you know, like she does. She's the one time she doesn't go to anger because she's just broken by it.
1: Yeah, yeah. Then a car pulls up beside her and throws piss in her face and gets piss on her wig and stuff like that. It's awful. And then Alexandra takes her into a laundromat and um they go to wash her clothes and wash her wig. And she gives Cindy her wig while. Um, her own one is presumably washing while they wait, which
0: is a really nice ending. It is, yeah, it's really nice. They're 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 brought back together because of someone throwing piss. <laughs> no, but it is. It, it is, is. Yeah, it's it is genuine. Really nice. It's genuinely like yeah. It's genuinely like really sort of touching that you're just happy. You're like, hey, they're back together. They're friends again.
1: Yeah. So yeah, great film, and did get me sufficiently excited for Florida Project, which I saw in the cinema. And I think this week when I watched it, it's the fourth time I've seen it. And um, wow, I genu- I think this is one of the best. Fi- this is one of the best films of this century. Like, I think
0: I still have the, again one maybe problem for me of of talking about these films is. I haven't had enough time to process them, so I've see, And as I said, I've watched only these four films and nothing else over the last few days. And I still can't decide which one I like the most. I need to more time to 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 think about it.
1: I yeah, you definitely do. I'll tell you something. I mean, you know, I'm a big boo hoo guy. I love and I will cry. Right. The first time I watched the the Florida Project, it was so intense that I didn't I didn't end up crying because. It was just devastating. It was devastating to me when I saw this in the cinema. It's just like so real and so powerful. I just walk walked out spellbound. You know what I mean? Like, like emotional manipulation on a scale of Paddington Two or Billy Elliot will give me the boohoo's in a second. But I just this just just floored me. I ca kind of like you know speechless. And then when I watched it again, maybe a year after it came out, who knows? The thing that floored me particularly. Was Bria Bria, uh, Bria vin, vin Is that her, how you pronounce it? Bria Vignada, whatever the the mother in this.
0: Bria Veneta? Hey, look, I've got it. Bria Veneta. Bria Veneta? Bria
1: Vinaita. I was just floored by her performance. And the last time I watched it, I was just thinking that's it's got. It's one of the it's just one of the best performances i've ever seen it's just she's just incredible in this movie in this film like willem dafoe is as well and everything but I, there's something just about her that is just just insane to watch it's just so much range and everything i thought it was just absolutely fucking amazing and then yeah so i've seen it then i watched it again a few months ago only and watched it a uh, uh, fine like the most recent time i watched it on th- was on thursday and on thursday, yeah, and it was mainly due to anticipation it did really hit me in the fields and uh and uh i wept like a baby
0: (laughs) i've definitely i'm i'm struggling to remember which of the films i found the most moving i think i found the ending to florida project very moving Mm. more so than the big well i mean obviously we're in (laughs) it's all spoiler but more so than when Mooney's actually taken away or, or when she's going to be taken away. I find that whole going going to the Magic Kingdom ending. Yeah. Uh to be the most moving, like actually going into Disney World or however we're supposed to perceive that, which will which we'll get to. I, I find that section very moving.
1: But The part that the the part that got me in the fields in this we will go through the plot, but there's a part near the end where she's she uh, Haley's like desperately trying to uh, sort herself out, and she takes her for breakfast in the hotel where you know it's a it's a buffet breakfast, and they're just scoffing down food, and Mooney's just eating eating everything under the sun, and you can tell oh this is, she's a kid this is how she uh, like and it, you know she's having a great time obviously, and it just cuts to the mother for a second, and it's just it reminded me a lot of I re, I re i rewatched um i told you uh terrence malick's film days of heaven right and that film is like all from the perspective of a child and she is just seeing she's understanding the world in a different way to what's actually happening because we know what's happening as we watch these characters and i think the florida project does an amazing job of at a certain point you realize it's not really about anything specifically but it's at a certain point, you realize, oh, this is kind of more the mother's story that we're seeing here, for better, for worse. Because the perspective of a child is just so joyous and wonderful until it's not. Like, she has a great, great time with her mother. She does. She, is, she has a great life. She really, really has fun. And then all of a sudden, that changes ir- irrevocably. And the moment that that hit me most powerfully is, yeah, when she's having breakfast. And it just cuts to Haley for one second. And you just think... Because, you know what I mean, I have genuinely been in situations where I'm kind of acting one way, but I'm going, what in the name of fuck am I going to do? What am I going to do? I do not know. And I thought that lady's performer, Bria uh, Venace, was incredible in that. And it just... It just hit me in a powerful way. I felt bad for her, felt bad for Mooney. I've seen the film before, so I know it's coming. But I just thought that scene in particular, Mooney scoffing her face with breakfast. Yeah, strawberries, waffles, everything. Give me everything. And Haley just there going, Jesus, what am I going to do? Incredible.
0: Listening to Sean Baker talk about the film, one of the things he said was they originally shot more with the adults talking to each other, interacting with each other. Mm. But he, the idea was always for it to be from the children's perspective. So he eventually just kind of got, got rid of all that stuff. And so there is this sort of magical quality to it where it's like five and six year olds playing with each other. It's crazy. Like the, so the fun. Um, young girl who played Jancy Valeria Cotto, she was five years old during filming. Wow. It's, it's insane. This is, has to be the best child acting ever. I mean a lot of it is obviously improvised, but they were you know, they were working with like um acting coaches to well you to can, try and hone in and get the kids You can just
1: see to, he's to, a to great um he's a he's a great director of actors as well. I mean it it, it like three movies in a row it just can't be an accident how uh, how good these people like yeah. even at the start, you know, the opening of the film where they're um your the kid Dickie is running along to them and he's shouting out they're like, yeah. they're like, uh, what, what is it, Mooney? Yes, Mooney. Yes, it's f- hilarious. But yeah, the, I mean, it does. It, it like, that's one thing that uh, Belen said to me when, um, my, Belen, my wife, uh, that she said to me when, uh, like, near when social services are getting to to taking Mooney away, the thing is, it's like Mooney has a great time with her mother. She does. They, she, <laughs> her life as she considers it is. The most fun it's possible to have, you know. Yeah, again. So, th- I mean, this is supposed to be
0: during the summer holidays. Yeah. Are, are we supposed to? Are we to assume that these kids do actually go to school? At yeah. Some there's point? a
1: reference to going to school at some point in it. Oh yeah.
0: There, there, there is a discussion, isn't there, between Mooney and mm.
1: Jancy? I think, but she's just telling her it's it, really boring, and yeah,
0: it is just chaos, obviously. But they are having the best time. But it, it has that feeling of when you were a child, and obviously time went so much slower and there was like a sort of fantasy element to things yeah and these kids are fine i don't want to say fine but they're surviving in their situation they're they're playing with what they have but they're also already so kind of badly formed to deal with society (laughs) like interacting with these kids would be a nightmare as we see throughout the film like yeah, with them spitting on the cars and telling people to fuck off. Oh, that's it's ra- so ra- funny when and stuff that. like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah,
1: yeah.
0: Like they've they've had no limits set for them. Well, certainly Mooney. Like Mooney's the worst of the worst because Haley's the worst of the worst.
1: Mm. The, oh, there's like um, and I I don't know how William Defoe or Caleb Landry Jones ended up involved in this or Mac and Blair. I never I can, know. I've I, seen I can, him four times. Mac Blair. Yeah, I I can tell you how. The, the first two came about that was just through
0: like casting this is like like aging casting and really man, they They've, both si- yeah they both signed on to the project they,
1: were they like specifically looking to work with Sean Baker or because willem Dafoe is a huge name for this type of, for this production you know
0: I don't think they were I mean I think Sean brilliant. Baker's next Sean Baker's next project is going to be starring him as well if it goes ahead it got cancelled because of covid and that's why he made red rocket. But he's making a film about drug activism in Vancouver, just about how uh, Canada deals with drug addicts and sort of helps them to overcome their problems. And it's kind of also about how, like, to try to get away from things like fentanyl, which is obviously fucking up the US.
1: Yeah. I mean, it it goes without saying, and let's face it, everything he's in, but Willem Dafoe is brilliant in this too. Like... Yeah, I mean, so he was understated. Oscar. He was
0: Oscar nominated.
1: Yeah. I mean, it's mad that Vanida was not, but I mean, at the same time, I well, I don't know, like I mean, it, Defoe is establishment, you could say, even I though I think he that's
0: it. I think it was just like he was the name. I and mean, he's great, obviously. He's fantastic in it, and it's it's a very moving Yeah, no, he
1: is, but he's brilliant.
0: portrayal of that type of that type of guy. Like a really scummy hotel, and he's the manager with a heart of gold who's trying to do his best around everyone
1: but it goes like so okay you take a film like snowtown which for me didn't work right like snowtown is absolute depravity and all you kind of get is the depravity right now i'm not saying the florida project is complete depravity far from it but i mean it's you know there are many filmmakers who would probably make the mistake of focusing on the depravity it's like, I think, what's the name of that director? Justin Kurzel. I think you could see he had evolved uh, as a filmmaker by the time he got around to making Nitrum, because Nitrum is actually quite funny on occasion. It's mad, but it is funny on occasion. And I think that, and a better example, we've, it feels like we've had this conversation before, but um, Manchester by the Sea is often hilarious, but it's, just, it's incredibly, incredibly sad. And that, that's... In the Florida project, that theorem, the theorem that I'm presenting is taken to its nth degree. It's hilarious. It's fun. It's magic. It's dangerous. And actually, a good chunk of the glue there, I feel like, is, is actually sort of Willem Dafoe. Which, because despite his superstar status, he's a huge actor. I mean, he really just seems like a regular guy in this, you know? His mannerisms and the way he, like, you know I mean? There's a fantastic scene between him and um, Bria Vanati Bria Venati. Venita. Bria Venita. <laughs> fuck. Where she gives him the money and he's counting it and she's there screaming in his face. Just fucking, why'd you fucking go? And, he, and he's just like, he just starts laughing. He's just like, can you just leave so I can get the money, please? And like, you, you know, if you, like, have you ever met somebody that's just so fucking bananas and over the top that they sometimes make you laugh? For no other reason other than the fact, like, will you take a fucking chill pill, please, you lunatic?
0: I, I don't know. I mean, I found her to be, I would say, across the four films that I watched in each film, I'm not sure in if all of the films, but certainly in Florida Project and Starlet, there's one character in each film that I really, really dislike. Mm. You know, like, there's there's possibly no positive aspect to that character. There's no redeeming aspect
1: you just hated her as a character.
0: Yeah, I'm well, okay, yeah, I like the portrayal. I enjoy seeing mm. it, but there's there's nothing positive to her as a person. I mean, it's more than a flawed character. I think she's like an absolute piece of shit. But I'm sure she's also like a victim of circumstance.
1: Yeah, I would definitely, you know, say victim of circumstance, but like I would think that that's obvious. And yeah, the massively dislikable character. But I just couldn't, I just couldn't help. Really feeling sorry for her, especially in one moment in particular when um, when her friend her friend just decides I'm not her friend anymore, and it's you ju- she's just got no one. Then that's it. You know what I mean? Yeah. She just has nobody, and clearly uh, she's got no family to call or anything. Just no one. The clo- she, the closest. She has to uh, someone is Bobby willem Defoe's character, and he's got no obli- yeah, that, that he's got no fair. obligation to her at all you know as becomes apparent and that's one of the great conflicts in his character is that ultimately he doesn't have any obligation to to these people, but he's such a humane kind of character yeah. that he can't help but give something of himself to them
0: yeah, I mean that's fair enough i if if I thought more about those aspects that are not really on screen like just of the kind of character backstory or what must have led to this then i remember one of the characters pointing out i think it was um dicky's father or someone who says like it it cost a thousand dollars a month to rent (laughs) to rent one of those apartments a thousand dollars what the hell you should come to croatia if you're homeless in america (laughs) (laughs) you'd live like a king (laughs) yeah but yeah i mean but living somewhere like that to to be stuck there I, I, it seems like a strange choice. I mean, the whole f- this is all said uh, again. Something that's important to point out about Sean Baker is he never films in studios. All of these places are 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 real. These are all he filmed in, like a working motel just outside of Disneyland, Disneyland Florida. Florida. So this is near Orlando. It's in a town called Kissimmee. And so this, these are all real places and a lot of the people that are shown in the film are real guests and real people who
1: are just around. Yeah, it brings me to mind of the fact, like, I remember when soon after Tangerine came out, I, I remember reading an interview with Sean Baker where he said he was just going to hit the road in America to try and find his next project. And clearly he just, he ran into this in, in some way and said, yeah, that's a, that, that's a, a fruitful uh, situation. We get into the situation. I think this
0: one had been brewing for quite a while. Yeah, this, I mean, this story he, he'd been working on it for quite a while. Good to point out that it's, it's not just uh Sean Baker, all of his films are uh co written by Chris Burgutch. Burgutch, oh, okay, who was uh, a guy that he met when he was studying at New York University. They've had an ongoing professional relationship since that point. Has he worked but on they, much
1: uh, stuff without Sean Baker? That's a good question. It's actually no, I have it up here. <laughs> yeah, the point I wanted to make,
0: where I was just making a second ago, was like, I don't know why anyone chooses to live there. I get the idea that okay, it's Florida and it's warm. Are a lot of these people trying to do jobs around the theme park, or are they trying to just because they think it's a good place to scam? I mean, we see, uh, we see Haley and Mooney going around trying to scam guests of the of kind of hotel park resort hotels well, the thing, to sell thing, no the, the
1: the thing is um i don't know why in that area in particular may, perhaps because there are a lot of menial jobs that people can be doing that's a, a reasonable theory but sure the reason that people end up living in motels like that is because they they can't get the deposit or or the references no no no
0: i mean that that certainly wasn't i, I don't mean why do people live in a motel mm. i mean why do why specifically go there is what i mean yeah, I would I, mean, I would obviously imagine. Obviously, something... I understand that, you know, people are homeless, basically, but but yeah, it just seems like a weird... Pl- I get that it's warm. I guess there are
1: job opportunities and people are scam is the idea, but...
0: Florida's pretty mental. Have you been to Florida?
1: No, I have not, but sure, it's famous for being mental, isn't it? Have you?
0: Yeah, yeah. I mean, I've been to Miami Beach. I remember going through Jacksonville, which is where the main character from Starlet is supposed to be from, and it is one of the roughest places I've ever been. Yeah? Uh, How so? I have been to... Just really, really kind of run down. You've got the sense that, you know, violence could break out at any moment. Florida is such a strange place for that because obviously it has, internationally, it kind of has a reputation of Miami and glitz and beaches and things like that. But within the U.S., the reputation of Florida, I guess, is purely based on the Florida man type thing. Yeah. Crazy crimes that have been committed there so yeah like jacksonville just jacksonville seems a bit like orlando in terms of there's a lot of social deprivation and people are you know there's obviously like the opioid crisis is in in full effect so anyway the plot yeah what happens in the florida project
1: well sure it opens up and we're introduced to mooney and her friend uh Scooty and their friend dicky who are children of yeah people living in hotel rooms, motel rooms close to um, Disneyland, Florida. Mooney, they're all, and they're just wild children, just going around the place causing trouble, uh, eating ice cream, begging for money off of uh, people near the ice cream stand, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Uh, at the start of the film, they yeah Dicky rounds them up to go spit on the car of a new guest at um, Futureland. And Dickie ends up getting in a bunch of trouble and uh, Mooney and uh, Mooney and Scooty have to um have to clean the car. And then um yeah, but they become friends with the daughter of the lady who uh, the granddaughter of the lady who's there, a girl called Jancy. Never Jancy's sister. Poor Jancy's sister. Jancy's
0: sister seems to be a couple of years younger. She's yeah, yeah. also quite a large little unit. And uh <laughs> She's not allowed out to play yet. Bearing in mind that Jancy's five and she seems a lot bigger than the other girl. Yeah. God knows how old the other girl
1: is supposed to be or is. Anyway, um, yeah. And at this point, we're introduced to Haley, who's uh, uh, who is called upon by Bobby, played by Willem Dafoe. Haley is Mooney's mother, and uh, yeah. But that point, we got get all. We're introduced to everybody. Them. I don't know. I mean, it's so slice of life. It's probably better to just explain there, the scenario. There's not
0: really much. I mean, this. Yeah, that, that's so. It's really just these kind of little mm. vignettes that happen in between the characters. But so you've you've got these three kids. Eventually, eventually, Dicky leaves, and it just becomes Scooty Mooney and Jancy running around. And then yeah,
1: with Bobby, Bobby trying to work the motel, and I suppose. Mm. Not become too emotionally invested in the lives of the people living there because it's so precarious. But he ends up, mm-hmm. he does end up getting emotionally invested in uh, Haley's story. I feel a little bit, and certainly uh, that of the kids. And it's odd because he seems to have a, a frosty sort of a distant relationship with his own son, played by Caleb Landry Jones, which is a pro- a probably Caleb Landry Jones's only reason for being in the film, just to to highlight that aspect to um, Bobby's character. There's a particular uh, scene in it um, that is terrifying in a way. The paedophile scene I'm talking about, which... Oh, yeah. Who is that guy? I don't know who plays... Did they get an uh, actual paedophile to play him? (laughs) I think they just got a guy who was breathing heavily. So, yeah, then one day they're all playing down near this bench, all the kids, and uh, Bobby is painting the wall of the motel, and he sees the creepiest man in the world go up and start talking to the kids. It's... Fucking it's scary that scene to be honest. I found it scary anyway. I've seen it so many times now it probably really? less so but I didn't find I didn't find it scary because it was dealt with so quickly. Yeah, but I'm not even talking about in the context of the film. I'm just talking about Oh, oh that 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 happens. Oh, that's okay. how that happens. Yeah. Especially around there where these kids are just running wild and
0: they're, if their parents are like Haley, like I mean Haley's basically Exactly. Just lets Mooney go and do whatever and she wants to do. Scoot, uh, target kids Scooty's, like that. Scooty's mother Ashley's a bit more on the ball, which is why she ends up falling out with Haley. But yeah, so in the yeah, so yeah, definitely. Like, I mean, these are you even go to like take it up a notch in the real world to like big pedophile rings. Jeffrey Epstein. These are definitely the type of kids that are being targeted.
1: Yeah, yeah. Well, totally. I mean, that's. Like, like, uh, I mean, pedophiles in the 1920s would specific in America would specifically target uh, African American kids, be, just because the authorities would give less of a fuck. That kind of thing, you know. That's what, like, it's just it's just scary to think of. I suppose, like, I know we we weren't going to see any of the kids go missing. At least I didn't think we were. It didn't seem like that kind of movie. But like, yeah, it's just yeah, scary. I suppose. What eventually happens is in their in the course of their misadventures, they set a bunch of condominiums on fire. These these are places where no one has lived. Yeah, they're for... abandoned, and they set them on fire. And uh, Haley's all like, "Let's go watch the fire." But and Ashley <laughs> Ashley is like that too, to be fair. But then she noticed something's yeah. wrong with Scooty, and then she must get the truth out of him because before they know it, uh, Scooty's not allowed to play with Mooney anymore, and Ashley is no longer talking with Haley, and Haley would have been good friends with Ashley. Then, as I mentioned.
0: But I just I want to say about that about the fire the the kids reaction to that is one of the most realistic oh, yeah, and funny to see like they they're so guilty they yeah, set yeah. fire to these buildings and all the adults are like you know wanting to watch the buildings burn down because they were these horrible eyesores that had been there for ages. And they're all like, hey, they're saying to their kids, you want to come and watch the the? Do you want to watch the buildings burn? No. And these kids who would normally be so happy to see anything burn, they look like they would love to see fire in general. Yeah, yeah, and they're yeah. they're like, no, I'm okay. It's I'm brilliant. just going yeah, to yeah. lie here on the bed face down. <laughs>
1: I'll just watch TV all by myself. Yeah, I'm okay. I don't need to see that. It's fine. So then, yeah, basically haley has got nobody, so she turns to sex work. Uh, They do it in a really clever way because we just see uh, Mooney having a bath with music playing. And then it's, I I remember it only kind of properly dawning on me the first time when I was watching it, despite all the clues. I only realized when one of the clients comes into the bathroom and he goes, oh, you've got a Uh, kid in there? I
0: I think maybe because I'd already seen Tangerine just before it, I, I had a sense of what Sean Baker was doing so I, I at the second bath scene i was like oh i'm pretty sure i'm pretty sure that something is going on i think you can also i mean i had headphones on i mm. think you can also hear something in the background probably so I did have, seems like an easy I detail did, to add yeah, uh, yeah
1: yeah but i like i didn't I, the first time i watched it i remember i i clocked that and it that again it's shot eye level from moon like with mooney and it's kind of terrifying like not ter- it's chilling like you know what i mean She's just there in the what bath mean, being an innocent little just... kid and then just a guy's dirty dick intrudes on her childhood. Yeah,
0: well we we don't see that and I didn't imagine that, but
1: <laughs> I drew a picture actually. That's where your mind went, yeah. Yeah, uh, yeah. She scams Disneyland passes off him and scalps them. Basically, she's just just trundling towards more and more trouble. Everybody in the motel knows that she's been uh, tricking and when Ashley full uh, when Ashley says it outright, she beats the shit out of Ashley. But she's still just trying to, I don't know. She's just, this is what I'm talking about in that moment um, where she takes uh, Haley, where she takes um, Mooney for stolen breakfast. And Mooney's just having the time of her life, eating so much. And just, uh, Haley's just got a look in her eye that's kind of like, oh, the end is nigh. Anyway, they get back in the police. I,
0: I totally, I didn't see that. This I The first time I watched, obviously I've only seen it once. I did not catch that from that scene. So I would need to see that again, definitely.
1: There's another wonderful scene in it where, um, again, she's just so fucking lonely. It's the day after she's beaten up Ashley. And she's just looking down at Ashley going to work with her face all mashed up. And then she just uh, takes uh, Mooney out, out into the rain to play with her. And you can you can really see how much she loves her daughter, you know. Like
0: I never got the loneliness from that either. Maybe I just I you're I uh, I gave Haley less credit than you did. I see her as more of a child. I don't see her as like a yeah. No, no, no. I would too. For sure, she's just a child with a child.
1: Yeah, yeah, exactly. Uh, No, I would definitely say that. But I mean, the the real world is slowly but surely sort of catching up with her. You know.
0: Yeah, that's fair.
1: And yeah, you can really feel that Bobby just feels bad for as well, probably because he's seen this before. This isn't probably oh, yeah. his first the first Haley in his vicinity, you know, and then, yeah, it's it, like that moment really set, set set the boohoo's going in me. And then when they're taking Mooney away from when Haley has to pack a bag for Mooney. And uh, Mooney is just there, like, and she says some lines that are the sort of things that a kid would say. It's like, why are you, why don't you stop lying? Why don't you <laughs> stop lying like that, you know? And then eventually she runs away. She goes over to Jancy's house. And yeah, I started crying then again when she just can't get the words out to Jancy. She's like, you're, you're my best friend and I, m- I might never see you again. And then Jancy, in what might be a fantasy, maybe doesn't actually happen, I don't know. Just grabs her by the hand and they um, both run away to the Magic kin- Kingdom in Walt Disney World. It's kind of it's a beautiful the, it's a beautiful ending.
0: The, the scene where Mooney turns up at Jancy's doorstep and then it has to tell her that she's leaving and she can't get that out and she starts crying. That was the f- they shot that one time and there was no rehearsal or anything. They just. Uh, she did some stuff with her acting coach and then just did it first time, which is kind of mental. How did you read the ending? Did you... The way I, I read it as being pure fantasy in the same way that uh, Mooney takes Jancy to go and see cows, and but she tells her like, look, I took you to a safari. Mm. So I just kind of... I read it more as that, as like maybe they're somewhere else, like around the motel complex or something.
1: I kind of read it like... I think it's almost breaking the fourth wall. I think it's almost mm. just giving us a little bit of relief because it do, like it doesn't end well. Who knows how the fuck Mooney turns out? You know what I mean? I mean, who but, knows? Maybe she'll swipe on Scooty years later on Tinder, and they'll you know raise three lawyers. Who knows? But uh, I still think Mooney's
0: chances in the foster system are better than being raised by Haley.
1: Probably. Who knows? Maybe
0: Haley sorts herself out. Anyway, I wonder how old she's supposed to be. Haley. Yeah. Hard to tell. I assume she's supposed to be younger than the age of the actress.
1: Yeah, because she's, she's in her 30s, isn't she?
0: Priva now is 28. So when the film, well, she was only like 23 or something when it was filmed. She hasn't been in she much was, else either. No, she was cast on Instagram. Wow. Uh,
1: she's from Lithuania. That's right, yeah. She's got a celebrity chef boyfriend, I read. <laughs> because, of course, I go straight yeah. to that. And <laughs> Yeah, Michael, Michael Voltaggio yeah and that's she i name. did she she is in the second season of the o a as like a receptionist,
0: yeah and she's obviously invested a lot of money in tattoos
1: yes, she's heavily tatted, which I mean how much more acting can you get when you've got that many tattoos that's the question it's kind of,
0: yeah you're really pigeonholing yourself into specific roles, but fair enough, she did a great job in this she's fantastic in the Florida project
1: hey, you could just if
0: you have one great role that's pretty it's fine, yeah, be like, hey I did that. Yeah, works. One hundred percent. Brooklyn, uh, Brooklyn Prince, who played Mooney. She is about twelve now. She was also in Lego Two Angry Birds Two. Oh, so she is and getting work. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She's in a bunch of stuff. She is in Home Before Dark. Oh, that's an uh, Apple TV. Apple, sh- Apple uh, TV. Mm-hmm. Yeah,
1: I haven't watched it. She is the star of that class because i so, mean yeah. yeah she's doing right. yeah 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 i mean apple flake money at everything so good for you and all right to, like just even before we move on to the uh, next film because well i suppose what i'm gonna say is apparent to that i mean aside from you know the interesting stories great slice of life editing i great at uh, directing actors visually these films are fucking are, are, are astounding and That's right, and this one was shot on 35 millimeter. They use film. the, like, they make the typically grotesque strip mall America beautiful. Like, absolutely beautiful. There's some incredible I, uh, shots in this.
0: My experiences of traveling around the US are those kind of white skies and orange sunsets, magic hour type, like that. So, uh, and, you know, summer in the south of the US is really, really beautiful. mm I mean, it's just it's so warm and nice.
1: Yeah, I don't know. It, like for all the credit, and you know, there are there's at least one of Chloe Zhao's films which I love. For all the credit that goes her way for that type of shooting, I mean, chuck some over to you know. I suppose maybe Sean Baker's can be distracted because they I I don't know have in my I would say a, more of a certain type of notable personality than the films of Chloe Zhao. You could say about his films, but I do think he should. He should get credit for. I mean, they're beautifully shot. This is a wonderfully shot film. Even the poster is beautiful. I might buy it. Nice. So, getting to Red Rocket, mm. right? I'm gonna. Li- I'm definitely gonna listen to that Pornhub podcast. But you have listened yeah. to a bunch of podcasts about it, so now I
0: have. I've listened to hours and hours of podcasts about <laughs> Sean Baker, which is why I have all this trivia.
1: So I must add, like Red Rocket is a is a is a great film. First of all, it is a great film. It's an odd film too. Where does a story like this come out of?
0: Originally this came from when they did the research for Starlet, because Starlet was working is is
1: based on the,
0: the world of porn. So that's when they were introduced introduced to the concept of a suitcase pimp, which is they don't really touch on what that is in the film, but no. James Ransom is one in Starlet. And uh Simon Rex is one is one here. So the typical or what most people would say for suitcase pimp it's normally like the boyfriend of a porn star also he's often like an adult film worker himself mm. but he tends to live off of his girlfriend he's often the one who brought her into it and then he basically works as her agent kind of and and takes a car of her money just like a like a pimp like a pimp but yeah. the reason he's yeah the reason he's called a suitcase pimp is cuz it's like it's such a big trope within the the adult film world that often the boyfriend-slash-manager turns up at sets. He goes to to the shoots with his girlfriend, Mm. and she's got her suitcase with her for some reason at all these shoots, and he kind of guards the suitcase. Like, he's carrying her suitcase for her.
1: (laughs) Wow. Okay, so... We had a little talk about Haley previously, and you found her to be a thoroughly unlikable uh, character. Which, fair enough. I mean, I would say yeah, with a few watches, and if, maybe if you were a bit more humane. <laughs> but uh, yeah, no, I like. I, I feel really bad for her. But you've got this, um, just, just bizarre clash of feelings watching Red Rocket because the man is the scum of the earth. This <laughs> this guy uh, who um, Simon Rex plays. Uh, Mikey Sabre is his name. He's the scum of the earth. And as a presence and also as a character and his performance in general, he is absolutely charming.
0: He's very, very charming. It's incredible. He's very funny. He's very likable. In a realistic way. Yeah, yeah. yeah, But I, I agree he is a very, very bad person. And his actions are going to hurt a lot of people. I don't think he necessarily understands that a lot of the time. I don't know if he's No, making... I think he's
1: like a psychopath. I think he doesn't even see it. I mean, I, I, can't, I can't argue
0: back against that. He's clearly a piece of shit, but he is very likable.
1: Intensely likable. Yeah. But not in the way, like, I, you stop short of sort of wanting him to succeed. I'll say that. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. when his opens comes, yeah. I'm delighted, <laughs> quite frankly.
0: I guess the difference between him and Haley for me is that is just being likable. Which is that's a terrible thing for me to say. It's a sad thing to say, but like yeah. If someone is funny or likable, I will forgive way more of their faults. But I guess that's a human thing, but if someone is is kind of intensely unlikable then I'm like burn
1: them. Yeah, but there you go. Like this is why this is why this is such an interesting idea for a film because he's he's irredeemable. Go back to the Florida project. Picture a sequel where, I mean, almost like uh, have you ever seen the sequel to Once Were Warriors? What becomes of the broken hearted? No. Where Jake the Must tries to sort himself out? You could, I could picture a, a decent sequel with Haley attempting to like sort her life out or something like that, and rooting for her. I would find it very hard. To really ever root for Mikey Sabre. Like, what goes on in this movie is like, it's a bizarre experience watching this movie. I recommend it to everybody. I enjoyed this so much.
0: I think, I feel like Mikey Sabre has really kind of typical masculine qualities. There's something about that that's very typical of men in general, I would say. Like, the worst aspects, the worst aspects that's fair. of that, of like, but apparently this kind of archetype that is pretty common within the porn world you get a lot of these suitcase pimp guys who act the same way i mean the the word i guess like the psychopathic elements that you could be talking about i mean i mean i understand obviously he's like hurting people but i guess the (laughs) apart from that the worst parts of his character to me are him like constantly going on about all the stuff that he's done yeah, I was, like, I was nominated for this award. That is, to me, that's like the, the most unsavory part of his character more than like exploiting people or fucking up their lives, just going on and on about how great you are.
1: <laughs> I would say that's a, <laughs> a a symptom of
0: the core problem, yeah, yeah, but yeah. like, yeah, yeah, I think yeah, that that is true. That's true. Yeah, uh, uh, yeah, I guess you're. I mean, the film is also cuts back and forth between kind of Trump and Clinton. Yeah. Because um, it's set in 2016, I wondered if they were, if he was trying to draw some sort of parallel there, or if that was just meant to show like that's what, what people like are, uh, Mikey Saber was
1: so, had some of the kind of like a trumpian like a Hillary Clinton sort of something. a character, yeah, <laughs> yeah, 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 so yeah that's yeah.
0: right. I feel like he would have, he probably had a lot of emails on his private computer. <laughs> Send him to jail.
1: But, like, there you go. And um, once again, so many times in a row, it can't be an accident. So as much as I'd like to give all the credit to Simon Rex, Sean Baker, again, with this performance in the middle of his movie. And, I like, Simon Rex has had a really interesting career to end up doing this and doing it as well as he has. Like, this performance is off the chain. I can't, like, we'll get into the plot, but this guy is, this is the story of a man who grooms a young lady to get her out to los angeles to as you say provide an income for him and the whole way you're you like him you do like him definitely i mean he's he's fun he's funny like when he first shows up at his at lexi's house his estranged wife and just says all right fine i'll i'll I'll, like uh, i'll i'll get off your property i'll get off and he goes down to the end of the garden. And it's just like, ah, this is kind of funny, like, you know, what he's doing. It's just a fucking let me stay for a couple of nights, you know, it's just, yeah. We don't know that they're husband and wife
0: at that point, I think.
1: No, but you can immediately tell that this guy has done some shit.
0: Every single person he meets when he comes back is like, why are you here? But yeah, going back to Simon Rex, I mean, he started off as a VJ. He did a bit of, he did a bit of porn when he was younger. He did some like jerk off films and there were stills from those going around mm. but then uh, i knew him more as like as a rapper but he was also in the uh scary movie three four and five I can't and, recall uh, a few other yeah me neither and a few other bits and pieces but this seems like this is gonna get him back on the but on the you know of his, his his rap career yeah dirt nasty it's called any good uh yeah some funny stuff there's so- and uh, bits and pieces. We talked about it I think the two episodes ago he did the the Mad Dick late Lake night v with
1: Oh, that's him. Mickey
0: Avalon and uh and another guy. I don't remember the conversation but I
1: love that song. Yeah, it's a classic.
0: So the story kicks off with uh, with Mikey Saber returning to his hometown of Texas City, which is basically just Next to Galveston, just outside Galveston on the on the Gulf Coast. And uh, yeah, Mikey turns up and we get the Sync Bye 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 playing, which we see a, a couple of times yeah, yeah. Uh, throughout the film. And then Mikey turns up at his estranged wife's house, her and her mother Lil, and uh, begs his way into the house and they eventually let him in. He tries to get some jobs around the place. Oh, yeah. He goes to a bunch of job interviews. Yeah. Which, <laughs> which all they, end exactly
1: the same yeah, way. Yeah, yeah. They ask him about the long gap in his resume, and he eventually admits to all of them that he was a porn star and they refuse to hire him. <laughs> um, so then he goes to a lady he seems to have worked for when he was a teenager, a lady called uh, yeah, Leandria, Le- and he's going to be a marijuana dealer for her.
0: And uh, her daughter is basically Snoop from The Wire, yeah. except
1: <laughs> full on. Yeah, it's called Jude. And then, yeah, it turns out he's he's really good at selling weed, so he's able to uh, get rid of the re- the weed really quickly. And uh, he takes Lexi and her mother down to this donut place. A lot of donuts in uh, Sean Baker's yeah, don- movies.
0: Yeah, you can see that he's he's into the, he likes using donut shops as uh, filming locations. I haven't had a donut in ages.
1: Stay away! They're bad. They are bad. It's like eating poison. But They're fuck, super bad. Anything yeah. pastry related. I'm. Oh, I love it. But I'm. I'm. I'm determined to get down to like you know the sort of uh, weight where people go. Are you okay? Is everything okay? Um, yeah, I'm trying to do that too. <laughs> I just want some love and attention. You know. Yeah, but then anyway, uh, Mikey uh, becomes absolutely in awe. Just dogged by this young lady uh, called Strawberry. I think her actual name is Rayleigh, Is it? Yeah, Rayleigh, really, Yeah. Who's a seventeen-year-old girl who works behind the counter? A ginger girl. There you go now. So uh, he eventually he starts just showing up at the donut shop. Uh, he gets her permission to sell weed to all the the boys who work on the oil on the on the oil rigs, and then soon enough, uh, soon enough, they sort of start a relationship. But in the meantime. He also starts having sex with uh, Lexi, and eventually moves back into their bedroom. And it appears to be sort of grow- going all right with them. Lil is just concerned that she won't get back on Craigslist. At which point, we've kind of realized that Lexi's a prostitute. Also, yeah, she's
0: she's she's still she's still doing some sex work.
1: Yeah, and we later learned that she was also a porn star. I feel uh, that that could, yeah yeah. yeah. But she,
0: and apparently quite typical as well, is like she burnt out after like five or six years. But then Mikey was kind of hung around for 17 years in the industry. Mm. Um, But Lexi was done and she was obviously on like opioids or something as well. She's not looking
1: great. Yeah. And we
0: do see her and her mother like smoking whatever that is meth, crack, something. Yeah,
1: that's right. Just out the back of the house. Mm-hmm. Then also Mikey makes friends with the next door neighbor Lonnie who lives with his dad is a bit of a hopeless mess as we say he goes to the to malls and does stolen valor but basically Mikey just uses him as a you know a sponge that can soak up all his arrogance just just telling him stories <laughs> just bragging all the time about how he like he's banging strawberry and then Lexi etc etc. And it just goes on. Bro, a dog. In the mean, in the meantime, he's just uh, selling weed, going around the place, being an absolute legend, and living the dream. Yeah, he's also lying to Strawberry actively uh, by <clears throat> pretending he lives in like a really nice neighborhood. And um, she drops him off there all the time. Uh, he does not, in fact, live there. And then,
0: yeah, eventually, he, he just he also beats up her uh, high school boyfriend. Oh
1: yeah. Well, no he doesn't beat him up they beat Mikey up wow
0: okay (laughs) he beats them up he beats up the high school boyfriend by repeatedly bashing his face against the boy's hands
1: yeah that's right (laughs) the guy's mother and father join in and beat the shit out of him when they beat him up he says that was three on one you're still a fucking pussy Which you just gotta wonder where does he get his confidence? But the, yeah, there you go. I he's see. also
0: he. It's a, it's, does he not say at some point he's got like a purple belt in something A green well? belt in karate? Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And, yeah, and he yeah, could yeah. teach.
1: He could teach classes. Yeah, right. So it's becoming it's becoming clear to us what's going to happen. He's going to uh, elope with Strawberry and leave Lexi in the dirt once again. Because um, right, he's 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 grooming
0: Strawberry and basically telling her he's trying to take her step by step into the into the porn industry yeah i mean he's which is a, a typical starting point for a lot of female porn stars it's their boyfriend who kind of gets him into
1: it he stays one night uh, at her house and then they yeah he makes a video of them on his phone and she's really into it she thinks this is great she's well up for it then he goes back to his house with lexi she figures something is up, and um, she throws a <laughs> pot of coffee at him in a nice move. I liked that, but clearly she figures there's something odd on the horizon, but at which point he shows her all the money he's been making. he says been out working, which kind of turns her around on the whole issue and it seems like everything is uh, everything is kosher in the state of Denmark once more. then when they're on the he's on the way back from somewhere with Lonnie. He just grabs the wheel and says, no, 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 go this way. It turns out he took him into fucking oncoming traffic or something. We never really find out, but it turns out they caused a mo- He just, because they were going to drive past the turn off, the, the, the off ramp.
0: I, I never saw him grab the wheel. I thought he just told Lonnie, like, turn here. Something but like I, that. I wasn't I wasn't watching that closely, but then they basically, they cut across uh they cut across like two lanes, I think, to go off the off ramp and it caused this like twenty seven car pile up. Ten people are in hospital. So they and uh the authorities are on on the hunt for whoever it is because they left they fled the scene.
1: And around this time as well, there's this odd little scene between Lexi and Lonnie where she seems to fancy him. I don't know, but I think she's just trying to get information about Mikey. Yeah, she's she
0: is just she's just asking about Mikey.
1: At the time I read it, oh, she just
0: assumes that Mikey's out being like a, a dirty dog, so she was just trying to get her own back. Ah, uh, yeah, something to like that. take care of her own. It also came after a scene where Mikey didn't want to have sex with her. Yeah. Whereas previously, like, he was the one who was pestering her. And it is that classic turnaround where, <laughs> again, as I said, this feels like a very, like, male experience. Certainly, I I can see myself in some of this. Yeah, yeah. In, in some of the, wor- the worst aspects of going like, oh, he's like, oh, I don't want to have sex because he's so, he's kind of, you know, he's like, Strawberry is at the, the fucking top of the podium for him, and he's like, and also he yeah, had just shagged her, so.
1: So then Lonnie takes the rap for that pileup, at which point he, <laughs> Mikey does a <laughs> dance behind the house, <laughs> yes. and and uh, Lonnie's mute father, I don't know, is he actually <laughs> mute, but he doesn't talk in the movie, is just watching the whole time as he does his little <laughs> dance, it's pretty funny. But then, yeah, one day Mikey just comes in and tells Lexi that he's leaving the next morning. He's going, this, yeah. is, the, this is the moment I think you really see he's a psychopath because he just does not give, a, he doesn't care at all. He just wants the difficult conversation to be over quickly. So he, te- he has it in the worst possible way. Isn't it he- is insane. It's
0: insane. But <clears throat> I think I'd give him a little bit of credit because maybe he also could just leave. I mean, that would be even shittier. He could just leave without saying anything. That's true. But is it more cowardly to... I think it's more cowardly to leave without saying anything. But yeah, the way that he tells her, he does kind of... I mean, he does assume that it's going to be bad because he's like, I just... I'm going to go to my room now. (laughs) But Mm. he doesn't... He probably doesn't foresee that he's going to be thrown out. I think he thinks... I can see his, his logic is kind of like... Well, I've given the money. I came back and I, I paid for my rent, and mm. now I'm going to go. But it's not being aware of the emotional commitments he's made, apart from anything being married to the still married to this woman.
1: Yeah. So then he wakes up with June and her brothers there in the room, and they're gonna they they take his money. He runs out of the he runs out of the house and has to uh, leg it over to Leandra's house naked. Which, to be fair, Simon Rex is packing heat. Um, That's
0: insane. Yeah, I mean he's he's
1: he's uh, blessed. We've got a big owl Willie. He gets over to Leandra's house and begs for his money back, but all he gets is two hundred euros and a fucking <laughs> a fuck you out of town, and that he better never come back or there'll be violence. Uh, so he's got nothing then, just the clothes that he arrived with and then he travels all night to get to strawberry's house and kind of has a hallucination of uh, her answering the door in a bikini but uh, we don't really know how that works out how did you read the ending to be fair i think i think without you know a big wad of cash to carry them tr- through i don't think strawberry's going anywhere with this creep i just mean that like i read it well it's a <clears> fence. i guess
0: I- yeah but i i read it as like being I guess I I assumed that all of that was I'm um, okay I didn't assume that it was happening that she was coming out of you know wearing like you know very mm. few clothes skipping scantily clad and doing like a sexy dance at the front door but I mean I just assumed it was like another sort of kind of fantasy element of just how he pictures her how he views her mm. but there's also a look on his face that suggests that he might uh, like something might have clicked within him that he would maybe not go through with it, like he realized that he's a piece of shit or something like that. But there then is also a look
1: when I on his face near the end, yeah, for sure. But
0: then the the other thing that I heard, which I had I did not think about at all when I was watching the film, but kind of blew my mind was the suggestion that strawberry is not real, that the whole all of those elements are fantasized. And listening to Sean Baker about it, he kind of hinted. He doesn't want to say one way or the other, but he did kind of hint that, like, the way that, you know, Strawberry doesn't interact with, anyth- that a- with anyone else. That actually makes anymore.
1: a whole lot of sense. I'll take it one even further. It's like the little house that Strawberry lives in is like a dollhouse. Yeah, it's, it's ridiculous. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. Yeah, it's like this. That's really interesting. Yeah,
0: it, it, as I say, I was listening to the podcast about it and it blew my mind. I was like, what? I just thought it was like, I, I and I was coming off of the Back of Florida project. I was like, yeah, it's like going to Disney World. It's, and the thing it's, is, it, it's happening, but it's, it's like a slightly, it's a slight twist. But this fucking blew my mind.
1: Out of all the characters in the film, I mean, like, yeah, Strawberry is almost like a fantasy character. She's really beautiful. Like, she's a, a, mm-hmm. a gorgeous girl. And everybody else is just grounded in harsh reality. Yeah. What you've just said is, I'm just, I'm going to have to. I mean, I'll happily watch this again. I loved it. I thought it was fantastic.
0: Um, yeah, I would be interested to really sort of zone in on individual scenes to see how that fits and plays out. Because also, but I imagine that's like a. Apparently, that's like a big theory that's like around on Reddit and stuff.
1: See, I would have been very much on board with your feelings for Haley. the first time I watched The Florida Project and as I watched it more I felt differently about it and I would like to I don't know learn a bit more about Mikey Sabre because the thing is there is something there is something going on in that final shot for sure there is some sort of look of remorse on his face and not just remorse Mm -hmm. because he's ended up destitute or something like that but just and the thing is her answering the door like that that is that is if she's a real character, that's a weird way for the movie to end. Yeah. Wow. Fascinating. I can't wait to listen to some of these podcasts now with Sean Baker. And I can't... The
0: thing Sean Baker said about the ending as well is he wanted to go like full male gaze. Mm. Because in, in the current climate, it's like something that's really frowned upon. But he wanted to like really lean into it in that
1: moment. Can't wait to see his next thing, man. Yeah, already.
0: so it's this Vancouver thing, it's got Willem Dafoe, it sounds like it's going to be a big, uh, I don't know, I think it sounds like it's going to be a big departure, if that all comes, I mean, it's obviously still going to be telling a personal story, but it looks like it might have something stronger to say, almost. Yeah, like a... Maybe it's more of a message type thing.
1: Could be, yeah. It's a bold move there, Andy, let's see if he pulls it off. Absolutely, Carlton. This is a toss week, isn't it? It is. What are you bringing to the table? Well, uh, I decided
0: this week, I don't want to give my reasoning to explain why just yet, but I, I decided on uh, Tombstone.
1: Tombstone? What the, is Tombstone again?
0: I believe it's a 1993 Western starring Val Kilmer. Who else is in it? Kurt Russell?
1: Val Kilmer, Kurt Russell, and somebody else? It's a, It's a pretty all-star cast, though. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's
0: very solid. When I watched the Val Kilmer documentary, Val, Tombstone plays a huge role in that because he goes along to like a big fan screening. I don't know if it's even like a Tombstone Mm. type society of people who just meet to watch Tombstone. And he goes along and everyone is like super happy to see him there. And I don't think I've ever seen it. I can't recall. It's the kind of thing I may have watched in the 90s, but it's it's such a distant memory to me and it feels like a gap so
1: i, I would mean, have seen it a, f- yeah, uh, a few times over up. the years for sure but it's a it's a good one i'm a big fan all right yeah i've just decided to be a dirty dirty old dog i've never seen a uh, last tango in paris bernardo bertolucci's film from 1972 in which um i don't know apparently him and marilyn brando just uh, behaved appallingly towards maria schneider but let's see uh yeah Friend of
0: the show, Maria Schneider. That's right. Oh, friend of the show, Marlon Brando. Friend of the show, everyone. Bernardo Bartolucci. He's an enemy. Oh, is he still an enemy? Well, I think he is an enemy. Not, I'm going to Not for that check. long. You sure about that? Yeah, I think you might be right. No, but,
1: no, no. Friend of the show. Yeah, friends. Yeah, they're all
0: dead. Everyone's dead. This is going to be... this. If we if we watch that film, it's going to be full everyone is dead, I think.
1: The friendliest movie it was ever. A, it was a, it was a <laughs> rough
0: old time. I have seen... I've seen Last Tango in Paris before. I feel like... I watched it when I was about 16, 17 and Perfect I didn't age really it. get it. Yeah, well. <laughs> it I was straight up and uh, I bought some Lurpak. I I I enjoyed it well enough, but I feel like I didn't get it. I feel like I'll, I'll I'll understand it a bit more now seeing as I'm probably even older than Marlon Brando's character
1: in it. Well, I if somebody. I win the toss that is, you know. Well, we'll see. All right, cool. I hope not. Uh, you got twenty, or you got a uh, sort of a lady.
0: I'm going to go twenty as a, just to shock you. <laughs>
1: all right, cool. Lady wins. It's rigged. It's fixed. Show me the kind. <laughs> sorry, man. We're going. Uh, okay. Seventies erotic. Like a sorry, lady. Which isn't erotic at all by today's standards. It's all hairy and stinky. Well, I've seen Last Tango in Paris, so
0: I can I can assure you that it might still hold up.
1: Yeah. all right, okay. We'll you want to hear but what you we, could have won?
0: We have to wait. We I just want to say we have to balance that against the horrible crimes of the filmmakers and actors. But so,
1: oh, we can go into that when we're talking about it. <laughs> oh, we
0: will. I'm sure we will. I'm sure we will. I'm going to yeah, please probably tell me what read what I, what uh, Pauline Kael's
1: seven million page review. Okay, what you could have won. I decided to go with a '90s western that I've never, in fact, seen. I, you're probably thankful because I would have taken up a huge chunk of your next two weeks. Can you guess what it, what it would have been? Why
0: is it, is it huge? It's very long. It's a
1: big one, yeah, and it's long.
0: I don't know what is it. I
1: was What's gonna go with Kevin, Kevin Costner's Dances
0: with Wolves. Oh, Dances with Wolves. Oh, I've seen that as well. Yeah, it's good. I mean, it's did that win the Best Picture?
1: Yeah, yeah. That that swept. I feel the board. like
0: that was like a that was like a slightly controversial Best Picture winner. I feel like. Oh, really? I think there was, I feel like there was a more, what people felt like was a, a stronger choice. But well, I really like Dances with Wolves. I'd certainly recommend watching it.
1: I'll check it out at some point. You, ch- you should check out Tombstone at some point. I will. All right. What are we coupling up with Last Tango?
0: I went for another film from the 1970s. It's a film that was co-written by Franco Arcali, who was the co-writer of Last Tango in Paris. And it also stars Maria Schneider. Okay. From Last Tango in Paris. And it also stars Jack Nicholson, and it's directed by Michelangelo Antonioni. Oh,
1: I forget the name of it. What is it? The Passenger. Hell yeah. All right, nice.
0: Unable to find the war he's been asked to cover, a frustrated war correspondent takes the risky path of co-opting the identity of a dead arms deal acquaintance. Hell
1: yeah. All right, well, until then... This was a classic week, man. What are we talking about next? Well, I guess uh, you've already seen The Northman, I believe. That's right, I have. I might, I might try to see it again before... i attempt to watch it. Before next week, hopefully. Probably not,
0: I will, I will try to watch it. I think I shouldn't have any problems. It should be fine. So let's say The Northman next time around. Yeah, and if not... Robert well, Eggers is this. Plus, I'm going to watch The Lighthouse as well. Let me throw that out.
1: Yeah, I'll try and give that a bash as well. Why not? I've recent I I watched The Witch only a couple of months ago so yeah. On that note. Yeah, on that bombshell. I love you. I love you. Bye. 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 Bye.